they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. We're back. We're back. We made it. <laughs> I love it. Merry, oh, I can't say Merry Christmas no, no. until Holy Christmas. Advent. Holy Advent. Holy Advent. And Mary Danielle, I just wanted to, I made a teaser about the program today on Terry and Jesse about the Immaculate Conception. We celebrated it yesterday. Correct. And it was the anniversary of Fulton Sheen's 40th uh, anniversary of his death. Right. But because it was a falling on a Sunday, the 8th, it was moved to the 9th. Right. The, 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 when... when the, the solemnity falls on a Sunday in Advent or Lent. The Sundays of Advent or Lent cannot be replaced by any other no, celebration. No. And so any solemnity that falls on a Sunday of Advent or Lent is moved to the, to the, next, to the nearest time that it can be moved. Okay. And, and the, even though the Immaculate Conception, Feast of the Immaculate Conception, December 8th, is a holy day of obligation, yeah. when the solemnity is moved to Monday the 9th, <clears throat> it's not observed as a holy day of obligation, but it's still observed as a solemnity. The glory and the creed are said. You have two first, you know, two readings and be, before the gospel. So yeah, it was, it was a beautiful feast day and the celebration. Um, I just wanted to read the gospel of the day. If Let's I do it. The daily readings. We always start with that. From the, from, uh, and I, I want to mention, you mentioned St. Faustina at the end of your program. I did. By the way, the movie Faustina is still in the theaters. That's great. It's there tonight. And, and I found out because some people from my Bible study emailed me and said, we're not going to be there tonight because the movie Faustina is playing. So here in Southern California, in the Covina area, it's at Edwards in mm-hmm. West Covina. Right. It's at the AMC in Covina on Azusa. It's in Glendora. And you can go online and look up Faustina, the and movie. Type your zip code in. Type in your zip code and see where it's playing. It's still in the theaters tonight at 7 p.m. As a matter of fact, Edwards in West Covina has two theaters open. Good. And the second theater is going to do Spanish subtitles. Awesome. So anyone who doesn't speak English, you can go in the Spanish subtitles. Will be Wonderful. There. So awesome. So anyway, a reading from the Gospel of Matthew. This is for the second week of Advent, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Jesus said to his disciples, What is your opinion? If a man had a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the ninety-nine in the hills and go search for the stray? And if he finds it, amen, I say to you, he rejoices more over it than over the ninety-nine that did not stray. In just the same way, it is not the will of your heavenly Father that one of these little ones be lost. Mm. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And so every one of us is important to God. And sometimes we forget that. And the, and the devil really likes to trick us into thinking that, oh, you're not so important, you know, except when we sin. And then, oh boy, he really beats us up. You know, look at how miserable and wretched you are and, and how horrible you are and how what a betrayer you are. But... All of us are so important to God that if each of us individually, any one of us can say, if I were the only sinner in the world, God would have died to save me. That's how much we mean to him. And what's neat about this, Mary Danielle, is that God's will is that each of our sanctification, the Bible talks about that, our sanctification. So even the most hardened sinner, even the most horrible heretic, God wants them to get to heaven. Absolutely. And so sometimes, and I say this, on the Terry and Jesse show, and that is Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for them. So 
this is a very important aspect that when we see a sinner, we don't go, oh, they're terrible and just <laughs> blow them off, you know, write them off. <laughs> yeah, no. right, right. Yeah, what did yeah, the little yeah. flower do? Many times she would pray she for prayed. hardened sinners. And she did. That they would be repentant and come back. Especially there was this one story where a gentleman who was living a wretched life and he was going to be uh, executed for his crimes. And the little flower read about that in the paper. Right. And she said, I want to make the sacrifices so that he can know Jesus before he dies. And what happened there? Francini, that was her first soul. She said, Jesus, give me this soul. Let him make some sign of repentance before he dies. Yep. He had made absolutely no sign. And just before he died, there was a priest there at his execution. And just before he died, he reached for the crucifix that the priest was holding and he devoutly kissed the crucifix three times. And that was St. Saint Faust, Saint, Saint who had prayed for his conversion. Beautiful. And it's, it's beautiful. There are so many souls that they just need someone to pray for them. Yeah. And you don't know what drives a person to do the things they do. Mm-hmm. And there are so many saints who are so, wouldn't expect that. As a matter of fact, there's a Saint Mark G. Tianqian. Oh yeah, tell us that one. And he's from China. And Mark G. lived in, in the late 1800s. He was a medical doctor. He was a pillar of his Christian community. He was a very well-respected man. He served the poor free of charge. Amazing Christian. And he, he went to Mass. He prayed. And in his mid-30s, he got a terrible stomach ailment. Mm-hmm. Well, he was in incredible pain. And in China, they have opium to treat the pain. And so that's what he started doing. He started treating himself with the pain. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, there's some of us who just can't do those things. Because if we get started once, we will never be able to break get away. Get addicted. And he did get addicted. Only he got addicted to the point where he couldn't break it. And he wanted to break it. He continued going to church. He continued praying. He continued going to Mass, begging Jesus to free him from this addiction, going to confession, But after about two or three years of going to confession on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. back in those days, they didn't understand the nature of addiction. Mm -hmm. And the priest said to him, you're not sorry for your sin, because if you were sorry, you wouldn't continue going back to it. So you are you cannot come back to confession until you give up your opium addiction Mm -hmm. and you can't go to Holy Communion, obviously, because you're what. So it looked like he was living in the state of moral sin. Mark G. Tianqian never stopped going to Mass. He didn't criticize the priest and say, oh, he just doesn't understand me. He didn't criticize the church and say, oh, they're so incompassionate. They won't accompany me. He went to Mass and he begged the Lord for grace. And he said, finally, he came to the conclusion, Lord, there's only one hope for my salvation. You will let me die a martyr because I can't give up this addiction. And this addiction is separating me from you, but I don't want to be separated from you. And after over 30 years of struggling with this, when he was 66 years old, the Boxer Revolution broke out and he was captured and brought to jail along with his son and six of his grandchildren and other extended family members. There were 10 of them. And he was given the opportunity to to save his life on this earth by renouncing Christ. He said, no, I won't. As a matter of fact, When the execution sentence was given, he said, would you please execute me last so that none of my family members has to die alone? Wow. This was a man who grew in charity despite his addiction. But what did he do? Every day he humbled himself before the Lord. He didn't choose 
the opium addiction with his will. His body was addicted to the opium, and he didn't have the willpower to overcome it. So don't condemn people. Don't say you just need to make up your mind. You just need to have a stronger will. No, we need to have more trust in God, and we need to love him and trust that he wants to free us from our sins. And even if it doesn't appear so on the outside, we don't know what's going on in someone's soul. That's right. And just so many stories of people. Charles de Foucault, he was a Frenchman. You'll have to look him up and read about him. You know, and and just, he was a playboy. And and yet he became, he died a martyr for Christ. Mm -hmm. He went to serve the poor Muslims in North Africa. And he was martyred at the hands of the Muslims. There's so many stories of the saints, and they should inspire us. And And that's the thing, you know, we can spend a lot of time on complaining and, you know, no, we really we can. And oh, yeah. It's easy to <laughs> complain. But I would encourage you, our listeners, to look these people up. Look up the lives of the saints because you need inspiration right now. We're living in times where, you know, there's a lot of people living in our church that act like God doesn't even exist. Yeah. They come to church or they don't even show up for church. Unfortunately, there's yeah, not only 20 percent. Come on, everybody. Wake up. Yeah. Wake up. And I'm back. I think back this, home. I think it's the saints that can inspire us to say, look at he did it. Why can't I? Yeah. And, and remember the last line of today's gospel. God does not will that, that any of these little ones. Yeah. God doesn't. God didn't make man to go to hell. Nope. God made man to be in union with him. Amen. And we need to strive. We need to struggle against ourselves and we need to really struggle against our own pride. And, and, and not, you know, it, don't be blaming the church. Don't be blaming your husband or your wife or your children you know, our sins are our sins, and we need to own them and, and acknowledge that, you know what, I messed up. I'm, I am sorry for my sins, and I repent. And even if we can't fully free ourselves from certain actions, and we keep going back to the same, you know, bad behaviors, humble yourself before the Lord and ask him for the, for the grace that you need to always trust in his mercy no matter what happens. My father used to tell us, and he never oh. told us the name, there was a saint who used to lose his temper at people, but he got to the point where every time he lost his temper at someone, he'd get down and beg forgiveness. He really never got a handle on his temper, but he found a way to channel it toward mercy and forgiveness Beautiful. so that he wasn't sinning deliberately with his anger. And that can happen. We might not have perfect control of our emotions, but we can give everything to the Lord and humble ourselves before the Lord. The more, the harder we struggle. And one of the ways to accomplish that is ask Jesus Christ for more faith every single day. And this is something that in the old days, many people knew that. But I've noticed that when I go around the country speaking and when I tell people that, they go, I've never tried that before. Wow. And it's shocking, but young people need to know that. So mom, dad listening, tell your kids, hey, ask Jesus Christ for more faith every single day when you say your prayers. And it really will work. I'll never forget young college students telling me one year, I went back the next year to some event, and they were all excited telling me, it works, it works. It works. Hey, when we come back, I want to talk about why do Catholics believe Mary was born without sin? We call that the privilege of the Immaculate Conception. What's the Bible have to say about that, Mary? Yep. So tune in. When you come back, get yourself a cup of coffee, some hot tea, and join us with this Bible study. Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you want to hear more shows, go to our podcast also. We'll be right back.
Welcome to our January 11, 2020 Spiritual Warfare Conference. Every year without fail, this is our most popular, well-attended event. This year's Spiritual Warfare Conference will host Adam Bly, a Catholic demonologist, and an auxiliary member of the International Association of Exorcists, along with Dr. Luis Sandoval, a psychiatrist who's part of the Healing, Deliverance, and Exorcism team for the Diocese of Orange. These two gentlemen bring tons of experience and expertise in the area of spiritual warfare. This is going to be a high-information Catholic seminar. I'll be there as well, sharing some riveting stories on the diabolical and liberation found through Jesus Christ from my best-selling book, The Devil in the City of Angels. Mark your calendars, come and join us, and meet other radio hosts from Jesus 911. Contrary to popular belief, spiritual warfare is not demon-centered. It's Christ-centered. Come join us and learn how to armor up and fight the good fight of faith. Catholics, wake up. Don't hit the snooze button. Join us at St. Christopher Catholic Church, 629 South Glendora Avenue, West Covina, California, on January 11, 2020. See you then. Strength and honor in Jesus' name. In Luke 7, Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her because she has been shown great love. According to St. John of the Cross, Christians should always remember that the value of their good works is not based on number and excellence. Their value is based on the love for God that prompts them to do the works. May we always be motivated by true love for God and not worry so much about what we do, but why we do it. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I want to mention Mary... Sorry. The Bible with the Barbers. I'm so used to doing the Terry and Jesse Show, the Bible with the Barbers. Thank you, Mary. We're all good. Pilot. Hey, Mary, you have the Bible study every Tuesday night here at the Sacred Heart Chapel at 7.30. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Thank you. She's really, I I should have her do this. She's just trying to see if I'm awake. Yeah. (laughs) 7 p.m. on Tuesdays and then again at 1 o'clock on Thursday afternoons. Correct. And also, Mary, I want to take this time to invite people to come pray with us on Thursday nights. Absolutely. I think we have actually Mass at 7 p.m. This week. We will. This week. But normally we pray from 7 to 9. Right. For our priests and bishops and the Holy Father, because it's our commemoration of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday. Correct. But getting back to today's topic, why do Catholics believe Mary was born without sin? We just celebrated the Immaculate Conception yesterday, and I think it would be good that we Catholics have a biblical basis for our Marian devotion. And that's important. And what I want to do just first of all, I want to clarify <clears throat> What the Immaculate Conception what it isn't. does not mean. Yeah. Okay, these are, and these are things I've heard over the years from oh, yeah. people. Number one, the Immaculate Conception does not mean that the Blessed Virgin Mary was virginally conceived in her mother's womb. Exactly. In the womb of St. Anne. Nope. 
The Blessed Virgin Mary was conceived in the marital embrace of Saints Joachim and Anne, her parents, in a normal, natural right. way. The Immaculate Conception does not, mean, does not refer to the um, conception of Jesus in his mother's womb, and it also doesn't refer to the birth of Jesus. I remember once I was talking to a young woman, and she was going to a public college, and she was taking biology, and her biology professor said, well, I don't believe in the Immaculate Conception because... And then he talked about the virgin birth. Yeah. That the virgin birth is not biologically, this couldn't happen, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that's not the Immaculate no. Conception. The virgin birth of Jesus is another miracle, okay? <laughs> so those, that, those are... Mixed up. Yeah, so those are three things the, the, the Immaculate Conception is not. The Immaculate Conception refers to the moment that Mary is conceived in her mother's womb, normally all that we can pass on to our children is human life. Okay. Right. Only God can give us grace. Right. And grace is a free, unmerited gift. Mm -hmm. All right. And what the church teaches is that at the very moment of her conception, Mary was filled with grace. Is there any biblical basis for us believing this? Great question. Well, according to the church, and the church has from the beginning looked at the Annunciation account in the Gospel of Luke, where the angel comes to Mary and says, Hail, Full of grace. The Lord is with you. Okay, so this is Luke 1, 28, 28 and he calls her full of grace. Mm-hmm. Now, in recent years, there's been this tendency to translate it, oh, highly favored one. Well, there's a problem with that. And that is that, can't, could the Greek mean highly favored one? It could. But let's look at the passage and what does the Greek actually say? You know, first of all, the angel says, hail. He's telling her to rejoice. Well, why is she to rejoice? Because it, it, the Messiah is coming. And this is the whole theme of the, the old, old Testament, that, that you will rejoice in your Messiah, okay? And so now it's being fulfilled. So we're supposed to, um, you know, daughter Zion, these different passages in the prophets where daughter Zion is told to rejoice because God dwells in your midst, Joel 2 23 and 24, Zephaniah 3, 14 through 17, Zechariah 9, 9. So Mary has been chosen as the virgin mother of the Messiah, and she's greeted with this hail, because now the Messiah is truly going to be in the midst. He says, full of grace. This is the only biblical instance where a person is addressed by a title rather than a name. He doesn't say Hail Mary. In the Hail Mary, we say Hail Mary to remind us that the angel was talking to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. But he says Hail full of grace, as if it were a new name that he's giving her. And this is, remember, this is the angel. This isn't something we made up. This is the angel. And he's speaking God's words, God's thoughts to Mary. Mm -hmm. Hail full of grace. So there's two things to consider here. And this is the Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch in the Ignatius um, Study Bible. Commentary commentary on this the expression full of grace is rooted in the christian tradition and traced to saint jerome's translation of the of the verse in the latin vulgate although fundamentally accurate it lacks some of the depth of the greek original luke could have described her with the words full of grace pleris caritos as he did stephen in acts 6 8 stephen was a man filled with grace and the holy spirit he had Larry's Caritos. Yet here he uses a different expression, the Greek Kekaritomene. 
This is even more revealing than the traditional rending. It indicates that God has already graced Mary previous to this point, making her a vessel who has been and is now filled with divine life. So the Kekari Tomeni is saying, you already have the fullness of grace and you continue to have the fullness of grace. And so that's where the church gets this. Another con- consideration here, this, this alternative translation of highly favored one or favored one, yeah, they're possible, but they're inadequate. And why are they inadequate? Well, because of the unparalleled role that Mary accepts at this turning point in salvation history. Mm-hmm. The angel is coming to Mary and essentially asking her if she'll cooperate in God's plan for her to be the mother of his son to be the mother of the incarnate word. This is unparalleled. There's no other, never. I mean, this is once, once forever only. She is unique in human history. And so the best translation is the most exalted one. It's the one that would give you the fullness of the impact of what this moment in history means. God endowed Mary with an abundance of grace to prepare her for her vocation to divine motherhood. Mary is to be the mother of God. She is the mother of God, the Theotokos. And this is what the church has always believed. And then by doing so, by giving her this grace, God will protect her in such a way that she will be the absolute perfect example of what it means to live in God's grace because she will never, never be unfaithful to him. And Gabriel's declaration points to Mary's immaculate conception. And according, you know, in in Pope Pius IX gave the definition of the immaculate conception in 1854, in Afabilis Deus. Now remember, when the church gives these solemn declarations, it's not that they suddenly become true in this moment. The church has always believed them, but she'll make a solemn, solemn, solemn declaration Mm -hmm. when in a historical setting it becomes absolutely necessary to codify some truth of the faith because of the challenges exactly yeah when it's challenged the church will say okay let's define this for the benefit of the salvation of souls we need to define what this means and so up to the 1500s all christians believe this without exception Mm -hmm. and even after the 1500s none of the reformers None of the people who left the church at the Protestant revolt, none of the actual reformers rejected Mary or her immaculate conception or her being the mother of God. They didn't. It was the next generation. It was the generation that came after them. Mm -hmm. And so then by the time the 1800s came along, it became a problem in the church. We needed to define, the church needed to define what she meant by the immaculate conception. And Pope Pius IX was the one who gives this definition and it's this, this particular passage in Luke gives us the absolute indication of Mary's lifelong holiness. She is full of grace. She was full of grace from the moment of her conception, from the first moment of her existence. And it's interesting. You know, the fathers of the church called Mary the new Eve. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the new Eve. What, what do you mean? Well, Christ is the new Adam, right? God created Adam and Eve. And then Christ is the new Adam. Adam was supposed to be, 
you know, the father of, of, of all the peoples, and he was supposed to lead everybody to God. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a savior. He was a man. So what happened was Adam and Eve let their trust in God die in their heart. They turned away, and they sinned. Mm-hmm. And so God promised a savior. But it's interesting. When he promises a savior, he doesn't say, well, I'm just going to send a savior down. He tells the devil, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And that's Genesis chapter 3, verse, verse 15. 15, the Proto-Evangelium. And so he's going to put enmity between the woman and, and, and the devil. And it's like, well, the woman, well, wait a minute. And, and she will bear the Savior. She's the bearer of the Savior. And nonetheless, God makes this tremendous promise that the devil is never going to be allowed to, tempt her, to touch her. That's what the promise is there. And this is why Mary is, pre- and, and also Adam and Eve, you know, people say, well, Mary, she couldn't have been, a, a, you know, what are you saying? That Mary didn't need a savior? No, we're not saying that. As a matter of fact, when Thomas Aquinas, <clears throat> re- some modern scholars say he rejected the Immaculate Conception. No, he rejected the theological explanation of his day. Exactly. Because the theological explanation of his day did say that she didn't need to be saved, redeemed because she didn't have original sin. And he said, no, that can't be. No, it's not, that, it's not that Mary didn't need to be redeemed. She needed to be redeemed. And just like for us, when we're baptized, that's a free unmerited gift. Her immaculate conception is a free unmerited gift. But when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in a state of immaculate grace. They were filled with his grace when he created them. He filled them with grace. They didn't have any sin in them. He created them immaculate. Well, if the first Adam and the first Eve were immaculately created... Would the second Adam and the second Eve also be immaculately created? Good question. Mary, I want to bring St. Bernadette into the picture. Because this pronouncement by the Holy See was 1854. And Bernadette in 1858 had some comment. And there's no way she could have known about this pronouncement as a, I think, 14-year-old girl. So when we come back from the break, I want you to share with our listeners what she had to say after, you know, she had a little visit with the Blessed Mother. <laughs> she got personal instruction that many of us will never get, at least on this side. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers. Again, if you want to hear more Bible studies, you just go to our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, and look under the Bible with the Barbers, and all these podcasts, many, many of them, are there for you to listen to 24-7. And I want to ask you to... Share it with your friends. Tell your friends about the Catholic Bible study here that we do with the Bible and the Barbers because so many Catholics are saying, I'm starving for a Bible study. Well, if you're here in the Covina area tonight, 7 p.m., join us for the Bible study. And if you want to do it on the podcast, you just go to the Virgin Most Powerful Radio.org's website. You can listen to any of the shows. We podcast all of them. Right, right. And when we come back... What is St. Bernadette? She's a, she's a saint. A little 14-year-old girl have to say about the Immaculate Conception and how Our Lady explained that to her. And I think you won't want to miss that because I've, I love those stories with the saints, don't you? All right. Get yourself another cup of coffee, some tea. Join us with the Bible with the Barbers here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Don't turn that dial. We'll be right back.
welcome Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to the Terry and Jesse show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a week. He goes to the mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes uh, the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Wow. Daniel, what a testimony. And I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. <laughs> thank you, Jesse. Appreciate that. And thank you all for listening, for tuning in. So St. Bernadette Subaru. Oh, you got me on the edge of my poor, chair. I can love Yeah, poor, poor little, you know, she was a French peasant girl. Her, yep. her parents didn't have much, and uh, she suffered a lot. She had asthma, and they lived in an old, um, they lived in a condemned jail. Because her father, you know, he worked, but he was, he was poor. And so they lived in a, it, it, the place had been condemned. It wasn't fit for prisoners. Oh and this is where they got to live. <laughs> but it was very damp. And because she had asthma, she suffered a lot from it. So our, our Blessed Mother appeared to her. And, and, you know, she was, she told the priest that she was in, and whatever. And they, but he's like, okay, well, what is her name? And so she went, she said, what is, what is your name? Father wants to know your name. And, she, and, and the Blessed Mother said to her, I am the Immaculate Conception. Whoa. Whoa is right. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, she didn't say I'm the Blessed Virgin Mary. She said, I am the Immaculate Conception. And so Bernadette tells the priest this. And it's interesting because in the movie, The Song of Bernadette, the the priest says, well, you've heard this from someone. And she said, no, I've never heard this expression before. And the, the older priest says to the younger priest, well, this is, you taught them this in class. And he says, well, Bernadette was, by the way, she had a hard time remembering things because she couldn't breathe very well. So she didn't get a lot of oxygen to the brain. She really had trouble. And so she was in the younger class. 
And the, the, the young priest says, oh, well, that's pedagogy for the older class. Well, the interesting thing about it is the priests in the French countryside hadn't taught the peasants about the, the dogma, yeah. the Immaculate Conception. It's only four years old in the sense of... And they hadn't taught them. Yeah. They thought it was too much for them to understand. So they hadn't bothered. So the Blessed Mother herself came personally to tell, personally, to tell these people. And, and what's also interesting is uh, a priest was telling us about Pope Pius IX, who declared the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. And Pius IX had seizures as, as a child and as a young oh, yeah. man. And when we went into seminary, they threatened to not ordain him because right. he would have these seizures. And so he prayed to Our Lady, and he got to the point where the seizures stopped for long enough for him to be ordained. But then after he was ordained, they started again. So he couldn't celebrate Holy Mass alone. So he asked the Blessed Mother to please help him so that these seizures would stop. And so with the grace of God, he was, the seizures were able to stop and he was able to celebrate Mass alone without someone else there monitoring him. Monitoring him. Um, he always had to have another priest there to monitor him in case he had a seizure during the Mass. And so he wanted to, to honor the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, are we dishonoring God by honoring her? Not according to the Bible, we're not. Mm-hmm. In the Bible, it says that I will praise these godly men, my ancestors, mm-hmm. who, have, who have been faithful to the Lord. And I will, in the midst of the assembly, I will sing their praises. So when we honor God's saints, we're honoring God by proclaiming the works that he has accomplished. We're not saying that the Blessed Virgin Mary pulled herself up by her bootstraps or that she didn't need a savior. That's not what the church is saying. The church is saying that, and if you read, Read the document. Go ahead, and if you haven't read it, go ahead and look in the catechism, paragraphs 490 to 493, where it talks about the Immaculate Conception. And it says, and this is quoting from the document the Pope Pius IX wrote, the most blessed Virgin Mary was from the first moment of her conception by a singular grace and privilege of Almighty God Mm -hmm. And by virtue of the merits of Jesus Christ, Savior of the human race, preserved immune from all stain of original sin. So we're not saying the Blessed Mother Mary did something that she deserved this. or No, God chose her for a specific mission. And because he chose her for the mission to be his mother, he gave her the grace that she needed Mm -hmm. to fulfill that mission. And God does this for us, too. So it's not, we're not trying to say that the Blessed Virgin Mary was somehow separated from God or above God or equal to God. No. In view of the merits of Jesus Christ, her son, the Savior of us all, he's the Savior of his mother. You know, it's, it's that, there's that Christmas song, Mary, Did You Know? And, and in one line they say, did you know that he would soon deliver you? Well, as Catholic Christians, we know that Jesus had already delivered her from sin. Before he was born, because God exists outside of time. He's not confined to time and space. And so even though Mary came before Jesus in time, but in view of the merits that he would gain, God applied the grace to her at the moment of her conception. But it's still the grace of Jesus Christ. And it is still God who is doing the work in her. Mm-hmm. But just like us, you know, God gives us grace. Do we cooperate? We can lose the grace of our salvation. That is absolutely abundantly clear. There is nowhere in Scripture that says once saved, always saved. It just doesn't. St. Paul said, I work out my salvation in fear and trembling. 
St. Paul says, pray for me that after having preached to others, I myself may not fall away. We can lose our faith. We can lose charity. We need to ask the Lord every day to maintain us in charity. And so we're not saying the Blessed Mother is somehow a God or equal to God. No, she's a creature. But she is the new Eve chosen by God to be a partner with the new Adam in this work of redemption. And because of that, because of this highly exalted position that God has given her to be his mother, she carried him in her womb for nine months. And so she has a special grace in view of his merits. That's it. And let's face it. How did Jesus Christ come to us? But through Mary. Through Mary. And that's why we as Catholics go right back to Jesus through Mary. Exactly. So it's a very biblical teaching. And I would encourage all of our listeners to get a catechism of the Catholic Church if you don't have one now. Because when we study the Bible, it's really good to have your catechism with you. Mm-hmm. Because the Bible and the catechism really go together. There's so many biblical references in the catechism that it would really do you a service to own a Bible, own a catechism. Exactly. And, and remember, as Catholic, again, as Catholic Christians and all Christians, remember, no one would have the Bible if it weren't for the church. That's right. The Bible did not come first. The Jews did not have a canon of Scripture. Nope. It was the bishops of the Catholic Church who defined which books belonged in the Bible. And that was not challenged for for. You know, from the time it was defined in 392, 395, 397, and 425, it wasn't challenged again until the Protestant reformers, in particular Martin Luther, wanted to throw out certain books of the Bible. It didn't support his theology. It didn't support his theology. And he changed the book of Romans because the way it was written didn't support his theology. So that's not what we're looking to do. It's not the Bible alone. The Bible isn't the only rule of faith, and the church never believed that it was. The church came first. And the church is the authentic interpreter of Scripture. And if you think that the church made up this idea in the 1800s, I challenge you to go to the dogmatic constitution on the church from the Second Vatican Council, Lumen Gentium, Mm. and read paragraphs 53, 55, and 56. And oh, by the way, check out the footnotes, okay? Again, all those of you who want to say that Vatican II was a rupture, and, and, and that the church departed from tradition, check out the footnotes, okay? The church is quoting from the early Christian writers from the very beginning on what was believed about the Blessed Virgin Mary. And by the way, Martin Luther didn't reject that, and neither did the other reformers reject who Mary was, the mother of God, and that she was immaculately conceived. But if we separate ourselves from the church, the bride of Christ, from the, the proper authority that God himself has established, we begin to separate ourselves more and more from the truth. And Mary, let's face it, we've got 40,000 denominations. So we've, we've actually seen since the 1500s just one Protestant sect after another because they did break from the church. Exactly, and that's, that's what happens. When you, don't, when you don't have an authority then who is the authority? Right. Then every man, and that's what Luther taught, actually, every man for himself, Mm -hmm. every man think for himself. Mm -hmm. And the tragedy of all is you go back and read the history of the time and read the documents of the time, when the German peasants took to its logical conclusion Luther's teaching of every man think for yourself, and they thought Mm -hmm. thoughts that weren't in in line with, in, in keeping with the German princes who had left the church, 
Luther told the princes of Germany, the rulers of Germany, that they needed to go out and kill those peasants. That's in Luther's own writing. And so it's like, okay, yeah, it's every man for himself. Um, Every man, uh, well, with, 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 you know, certain exceptions. Mm -hmm. The peasants didn't have a right to think for themselves. But no, it's, it's not every man for himself. Jesus Christ came to save us from sin. And he saved the blessed mother from sin. But he... He saved her before sin ever had a chance to touch. You want to give the analogy about the, uh, the Holy Father's analogy about putting down a road where there's a steep hole in the hole in the in the road, and there's like palm tree branches on top of the hole, and if you were to walk, you would fall into that hole, not knowing the hole was there. Right. But the analogy the Holy Father says is that Mary it was she was stopped. She didn't come to the hole. In other words. She was pre-redeemed. She was, right, pre-redeemed. So that it was by a prevenient grace. God gave her the grace before the moment that Jesus Christ became incarnate because because of who she was called to be. And remember, this is God's plan. Exactly. This isn't our plan. This wasn't our idea. Just like the church is God's plan. Mm -hmm. It wasn't... It, that God should become man was God's plan. (laughs) Not even the Jews expected... God to become man. Yeah, they were expecting a Messiah, but that God himself? You know, when they said Emmanuel, God with us, they were, they were picturing something like the way God was with them already in the wilderness and in the desert, you know, in the pillar of fire, in the cloud, in, in the Shekinah, the glory cloud that would come upon the meeting tent. God was with them. Yeah, it was obvious. I mean, it's evident his presence was there, but it was an external thing. They didn't really expect him to become incarnate. This was not envisioned. And yet this is what God had done. This is what God does. This is what he, you know, he, and God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we tend to impose upon God our thoughts. But that's not, and, and so we, the Immaculate Conception is not something that man just made up. It's something that God did and he showed to man, he reveals it to man. And we honor God, we glorify God by glorying in his works. Well said, Mary. Wow. Uh, I told you to get a lot of good information on the Immaculate Conception. So when your friends ask you, now you'll be prepared. Remember Luke chapter 1, verse 28. And don't forget Romans chapter 3, 23, where Romans says should be understood in the general sense that after all... After all, uh, you need to read the scriptures to understand this. We'll be back with much more Bible with the Bargain. This is Matthew Arnold for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This March, BMPR, in association with the Catholic Resource Center, will be hosting a special conference for the Adoramus Society. Adoramus at the Triduum, a conference on the spirituality of the Triduum liturgies, featuring speakers Father Joseph Fessio, Dr. Anthony Lillis, and Christopher Carstens, addressing such topics as developing a liturgical spirituality, the spirituality of Holy Thursday, the spirituality of Good Friday, and the spirituality of the Paschal Vigil and Easter season. It all takes place March 14th, 2020 at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street, Covina, California, 91723. You can register online at vmpr.org 
or call now at 877-526-2151 to reserve your seat today for Adoramus at the Triduum. In Luke 7, Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her because she has been shown great love. According to St. John of the Cross, Christians should always remember that the value of their good works is not based on number and excellence. Their value is based on the love for God that prompts them to do the works. May we always be motivated by true love for God and not worry so much about what we do, but why we do it. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, Terry steps out usually at the end of the show because he's got a lot of things he has to handle in the office before we go, we, we go to lunch, and we like to go to lunch after the show. So, <laughs> um, And someone on um, watching on YouTube had asked if I could deal with the question of predestination enrollments. I want to acknowledge your question, and I'm not going to try and tackle that right now. I haven't prepared for that, but I will prepare for that, and next week we'll discuss that, the idea of predestination in Romans, and what is Paul talking about? But at the end of the last section of this show, Terry mentioned Romans 3.23, where it says that all have sinned. How can we say that Mary was sinless if the Bible in Romans 3.23 says all have sinned? When Paul, and we talked about this last week too, when Paul is talking about all have sinned, he doesn't mean all individually. He means all generally. We, we are all sinners, and Mary was made sinless, not by anything of her own, but was made sinless by God, by a, a prevenient grace. She was redeemed in view of the merits of Jesus Christ. And so when it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Paul is talking in a general way. Everyone, Jews and Greeks, have sinned, and we need to be redeemed. And yes, Mary needed to be redeemed, and she was redeemed in a unique way because of the specific mission that she would have. And so that's what Terry was referring to, and that's what we were talking about here. And it's not a, it's not a contradiction of Scripture. You have to understand what, what Paul is saying there, and he's not saying that all... Remember, sin is in the will. And in order for a person to be guilty of sin... First of all, you have to know that something's a sin, and then you have to freely choose it, right? So little children who haven't reached the age of reason can't sin. People who have a, a mental incapacity to, to, to reach a maturity mentally where they become, can become mentally adults, they're not capable of sinning because you have to be able to be capable of freely choosing. Now, I'm not saying Mary wasn't, wouldn't have been capable of sinning if God had allowed her to be tempted, but God didn't allow her to be tempted. But why? 
Who is she? And that's what we need to remember about Mary is who she is. And then last week we talked about, you know, Abraham and the example of faith, uh, Romans chapter four, I believe. And, and that um, Abraham was our father in faith because he believed God. And remember something, Abraham wasn't perfect. You know, none of us are perfect, but we keep coming back to God. And when we fail, we keep coming, keep saying, I'm sorry. Don't ever get tired. Like the, the man I talked about at the beginning of the show, St. Mark G. Tian Qian. I'm not sure if that's my, I don't, I've never studied Chinese, but it's, his last name was T-I-A-N-X-I-A-N. And he died in the Boxer Revolution, a martyr for Christ. And he had this horrible addiction to opium, but he hadn't gone out and delivered. I mean, he hadn't sought opium to escape from the problems of life. He had tremendous pain. He had a stomach ailment that was incredibly, excruciatingly painful. And he was trying to alleviate that pain so that he could continue to serve as a doctor. But he became hopelessly, and I mean literally hopelessly addicted to the opium. And he never was able to free himself of that addiction. He wasn't able, and, he, and Jesus didn't free him either. He begged the Lord. It's like Paul, you know, I have been given an angel in the flesh. I've been given a thorn in the flesh, excuse me, a, a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to tempt me. Three times I begged the Lord to take this from me. And the Lord said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness is my power brought to perfection. And this is what we have in St. Mark G, Tian Qian. We have this beautiful example of God's grace being brought to perfection in human weakness. That even though he couldn't overcome the opium addiction, he became a saint. And he gave his life as a witness to Jesus Christ and refused to apostatize. He wouldn't reject his faith. And he never rejected the church. And he didn't say that the priest was a bad man and wouldn't accompany him because the priest wouldn't give him absolution. The priest didn't understand the nature of addiction. And he, he thought, well, if this man really wanted to give this up, he could do this. And this, I hear this oftentimes nowadays, too. We, we say this about people, people who are alcoholic or drug addicts. Oh, well, if they wanted to be different, they could just make up their minds and be different. That's not always true. So please pray to St. Mark G. Tian Chen, especially if you have family members who have addictions. Any kind, by the way. Chocolate. You know, some of us don't think sugar and chocolate are such bad addictions because they don't look so ugly. But you know what? They're addictions. And, and any created thing that we're letting, you know, have a higher place in our life than God, that's not a good thing. So, you know, pray, pray, pray for the conversion of sinners. Pray for the conversion of ourselves first. And of all sinners, all of us sinners need to be converted. We're all in this together. We all sinned. It's like Bishop Sheen said to the prisoners, gentlemen, there's only one difference between you and I. You got caught. I didn't. Aha, uh-huh. we're all sinners. <laughs> Yeah, we are. So we rely on Jesus Christ. We turn to him and we ask for the grace to overcome. And so we have Abraham and the promises were made to Abraham and his descendants. And so we need to pray, still continue to pray for the conversion of the Jews. Paul was very adamant, you know, that the Jews had turned away from God. They had rejected the Messiah and their rejection of the Messiah meant salvation for the Gentiles. So if they accept the Messiah, it will mean the coming of God's kingdom. So we need to pray for this. We should pray for the coming of God's kingdom and pray for the conversion of the Jews and the conversion of all of us. We live in a world of utter distraction where we think that we can live without God. That's what the world, the flesh, and the devil are telling us. People are being entertained to death, literally. 
the death of their soul. And people are watching entertainments that are horrible. They're going to R-rated movies, and this is entertainment? People, an R-rated movie is not entertainment. Now, there's one exception, and it's not entertainment anyway, but the one R-rated movie that I know of that you can go see safely is The Passion of the Christ. And that's only for those who can take that emotionally. Some people, that would be emotionally devastating for them. So be careful. But, but that movie wasn't R-rated because it was um, trying to lead people away from God. It was actually R-rated because it was trying to lead people to God. And, and the movie raiders wanted to limit the number of people who saw it. So, but there's another movie out that's worth seeing right now, Faustina, um, Love and Mercy, the, the, the message of divine mercy. And it will be in theaters tonight. Look online. Check your local zip code and see if it's there. Look up Faustina, the movie, and um, see where it's playing. I know it's playing here in Southern California at West Covina Edwards AMC on Azusa, the AMC in Glendora, and there's one other place that I don't remember in this local zip code here. So go see that. So we have the results of justification. Um, and again, when a person is justified, it's not that Christians aren't different, they're just forgiven. Christians are different because they are forgiven. You see, when we accept the grace of God, he doesn't just cover over our sins and make us dunghills covered with snow. He redeems us from within. He makes us new creatures. We become new creatures in Christ. We are redeemed from within. He takes away the sin and he replaces it with his grace. But we have to be willing to struggle against sin in our life. And the near occasions of sin, by the way, the movies and the entertainments, the music that we listen to, the books that we read, the things that we do in private and in public can be near occasions of sin. You know, by the way, gluttony is still a sin. You know, it's not, it's not helpful on Thanksgiving and Christmas to commit a sin of gluttony. That's not a godly thing to do. And granted, we all, you know, sometimes there's so much good food, we, we take more than we should, but don't encourage one another to do that. Let's encourage one another to live moderately and temperately in this life. And so the results of justification are in Romans 5. And what does Paul tell us? He said, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Through him, we obtain access to this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. We were made to share in God's glory. God's not selfish. He's not stingy. He made us to share in his life. He wants to share us with us his life. This is what God wants. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Whoa, who said that? What? We re- what? Paul? What? We rejoice in our sufferings? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So our sufferings have meaning. And Paul will go on in another place to say, in my own flesh I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. Yes, that's in the scriptures. And so we offer our sufferings in union with Jesus and we see our sufferings as a great blessing. Now that takes time and it takes a lot of mental discipline. 
and it takes a lot of renouncing of the self-pity. When we're hurting, we tend to get wrapped up and locked up in self-pity. And we need to ask the Lord to help us break out of that so that we can see that our sufferings are a benefit to us. The sufferings make for endurance, and endurance produces character. You know, we were made by God in his image as persons to be loved. So that's the definition of who we are, God's children now. Dearly beloved, we are God's children now. What we will later be has not yet come to light. But when it does, we know that we shall be like him, for so we shall see him as he is. First letter of John. So what's the point here? Well, the deal is that we are God's children, and we're supposed to behave like God as his very dear children. So what defines who we are? That God made us in his image. That's who we are. But what forms our character? Our actions form our character. And you see, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. That character to be able to say no to myself, to die selfishness in me, to die to sin, so that Christ can live in and through me. This is what we're supposed to be as Christians, living images of Jesus Christ. And so, while we were yet helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. One hardly will die for a good man, though perhaps for a very good man someone will. But God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the clock is winding down here. We're coming to the end of our show that went fast. But never give up. The Lord is calling us all to live in his grace. And his grace transforms us from within. And we're called to live a life of holiness. So ask the Lord every day to help you to live that life of holiness. And if you have an addiction, just humble yourself before the Lord. Each one of us, Lord, help me. Lord, help me cry out to God for help every day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. If you want to make a donation, please call 877-526-2151. Next week on Bible with the Barbers, we'll talk about predestination. If you can join me for Bible study tonight at 7 p.m. at the Sacred Heart Chapel, please do, or Thursday afternoon at 1 Love to see you there. You're all welcome. Thank you for joining us. Please keep us in prayer. We are a work in progress. We're, stri- we're striving. So please pray for us that we too may not fall away. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you will join us again on Bible with the Barbers and continue to promote Virgin Most Powerful Radio. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love, and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.